Transfiguration. How many people have heard this before? Yep, we read it every year. We read it every year. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we read certain passages over and over every year? I mean, there's a, there's a, there are a lot, of, a lot of stories here. A lot of, a lot of text to cover. We didn't get it the first time? All right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Beat it in there. Why else? Why else do you think we might, we might read um, certain passages of the Bible over and over again? What? I told you, you guys are going to be on your toes today. It's important. Right. So there's, some, there's, some, there's something over time. We thought there was something key about this that we needed to hear again and again. What else? You get something different each time. Very good, biblical scholar. I like it. That's, it's interesting because I was listening to a Reformed uh, rabbi um, talk this week, and, and one of the things that he said, uh, and I, I don't know if you know, in, at least in his, in, in, in his uh, congregation, they sort of danced the, the scroll, because they still use the, the scroll for the scripture, they sort of danced the scroll through the congregation to bring it forward before it's read, because the thought is that, one, it, 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 comes, it comes out of the people, from God, it comes out of the comes from the people, and also that their their belief is that each person, each person needs to listen, so that they can they can help reveal the meaning that is in the text. That there just there isn't just one meaning in the text. That there are multiple layers of meaning in the text. I mean, just think about that. When you were taught how to read, at first you're just taught how to read. Like here's the word. You might not even know what it means. Here's the word. Here's how you decode it. Here's how you read it. And then you get the meaning of the word. Right? And so, okay, now you've got that meaning. But then as you become uh, more learned and as, you, um, and as you get older and have more experience, that word, you may have other associations with that or it may have more subtlety to it. Right? Because can, we, can, we can use one word and have it mean multiple things. Now, English has lots of words, but Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, has actually very few words, and most of them come from a three-letter root. There are no vowels in Hebrew, so it even makes it more fun and difficult, Um, but it comes from a three-letter root word. And so then, and, and so then you can have all kinds of various and subtle meanings from, from one word. And so that's part of the reason why we continue to read Scripture over and over and over, is there's all kinds of meaning in the text that we might miss the first time if we're just reading it on that surface level, right? If we're just reading for content, we might say. And then you can read for context, of course, well, what's going on around that. And then you can you go, well, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? And I don't know about you, but last year at this time, I was worried about different things than I am this year at this time. Right? Last year, um, we had 
uh, a child who was uh, getting ready to go to college, getting ready to launch into, into that four-year venture. And we had a son who was getting ready to go to high school, but we didn't know where he was going to go. Jennifer was going to look for a, a full-time job outside of the house because we've been homeschooling. So we, those were the worries. Those were the things I was thinking about. And so as I'm reading scripture, those are the things that are, that are troubling me. Those are the lenses, some of the lenses through which I'm, I'm reading the scripture. This year, things are different. And so we hear different things in the text every time we read it. And that's what, where, where sometimes Christianity has gone a, you know, a little bit off the path, I think, and, and walked away from our, from our Hebrew roots, from our Jewish roots, from our Jesus roots, is that we often, we often read stuff and go, well, what does it mean? I got what it means, I'm out. I'm good. Right? I loved what this rabbi said, that, that when they're done with this scroll, they put it in this, I forget what it's called now, they, they put it away, And they call that the tree of life because it's a living and an active word for them because it's still revealing to them things that they need to know and learn about God and about themselves. So with that great preamble now, I'm going to read to you again this scripture passage about the transfiguration. And I want you to just, if something pops out to you, just hold that in your mind for a minute. I wanna, we're going gonna to have an interactive time here where, where we're going we're gonna to use the collective wisdom to hear what's in the text. You thought I was just going to talk to you today. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. All right, class time. Raise your hand if there was something you you heard in there. I heard from you twice already. I'm going to hang on. Anybody else? No? Okay, Paul, you're in. First of all, they were were clueless. Uh, And their concept, their ability to understand was just as limited as ours is today. Okay, so first they were clueless to understand what was going on. Their ability to, to get it is, is just like ours is today. All right, let's do this because that's what they did for hundreds of years and not understanding. They couldn't grasp what Okay, so they couldn't, couldn't grasp what was, what was going on in that, okay? All right. What else did you hear? 
Yes, ma'am. They wanted to honor them. Okay. Okay. Why, why, did, why do you think that stuck out to you? What? Because I think a lot of times the things that we do out of habit, we feel like are good things. Okay. So the things that we do out of habit are good things. And, they, and that would, might, may have been something that they, that they knew from stories that when, when, when amazing things happened, they, oftentimes in the Bible, you built an altar. You put some stones together. You, 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 know, you made a place. You called it a new name. All right, I like that, okay? What else? What else did you hear in the text? All right, Karen. Sorry, I've got to come back so I can hear you and repeat. Life after death manifests in spirit. Life after death manifests in spirit. So Moses and, and Elijah coming to be, to, to, to be with Jesus, all right? So, I, so you, I'm sure you know this. Um, but Elijah and Moses represent the law, Moses, because Moses traditionally is seen as the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, which is called the law, and, and Elijah then represents the prophets. So in a sense, what this, I mean, the, sim, the symbolism of it that we've talked about is here you have Moses, you have, the, you have really the successor to Moses in some ways, Elijah, who's the prophet, who carries the mantle on of bringing the people back to, to faithfulness in God. And then you have, of course, who we believe is the Messiah, Jesus. So you have those three. So you're sort of covering it and you're, and you're connecting it all together. And so when, throughout time, when, when people have wanted to, to disconnect Christianity from Judaism, this is one of the places where people say, listen, you can't do that. One, Jesus was a Jewish man. He knew, he knew these scriptures. These scriptures informed everything that he did. And two, look at the transfiguration. Like, here's the lineage of what this is about. We, we cannot be disconnected from our heritage here. We need to learn from those brothers and sisters. We need to, that's why we have the Old Testament as, as part of our scriptures. That's why we keep all of that. What else? What else did you hear in there? Oh, reminds you of when Jesus was baptized, right? And do you remember what was what was the, the voice from the cloud said when Jesus was baptized? Very good. Wow, former Catholic knows the Bible. Shocker! Love it. Love it. So. This is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. That was the voice that, that came, or at least is recorded. And what's interesting about that, Jason, is that, um, is that we believe that only Jesus heard that voice. Somehow it gets recorded, but only Jesus heard that voice. But who is, who, who's the voice talking to in this one? The disciples. Right? This is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. I mean, of all the things that God could have said, right? I just think I find it fascinating. I don't, I don't have an answer to maybe why, but, but, you know, this is my son. Okay, great. My beloved son, great. Listen to him. I mean, hearing it, hearing it through Peter's ears, like, okay, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm not listening very well. Because right before this, Right before this, if you, if you read back a little bit, because, of course, we know it says six days later, 
right before this, um, Jesus says, well, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, well, maybe you're, maybe you're Elijah come back. Maybe you're this, maybe you're that. Maybe you're a great prophet. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And then right after that, um, Jesus starts telling him, well, I, you know, the son, the son of man's going to have to, will be persecuted and, and will, will be killed. And Peter says, no, not to you, Lord. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And so you just wonder, like, what, what does Peter, is, God says, okay, Peter needs to hear this because he's not listening, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But it's fascinating, right, to just, just think for a minute, what, why that? Listen to him. And how, and how do we, and I think that's been part of the, part of the conversation we've been having in worship ever since um, Epiphany, ever since the turn of the year from Christmas to Epiphany, has really been about how do we focus on God, how do we listen for God, how do we hear God speaking in our lives, and how do we respond to that in our lives? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. What else do you hear in this scripture passage? Yes. Yeah, Jesus tells them to keep it to themselves. It's so fascinating in, in Mark, how many times, and again, I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit, it's called the messianic secret. That's just what, you know, commentators have called it over the years, is that Mark, uh, in Mark, Jesus is continually telling them, you know, um, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody until after the, I mean, here it's, tell no one about what you have seen, and, and t- well, as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So, they're, so they're, they're supposed to wait until after the resurrection to tell people who Jesus is. It's, it's really fascinating. I don't, we don't really have an answer as to, as to why that is. The interesting thing is, is that anytime Jesus encounters unclean spirits or demons or any of that sort of thing in the Gospel of Mark, they all know exactly who he is. In that very first one, when he un- casts out the unclean spirit, you know, the unclean spirit says, what are, what are you going to have to do with us, Holy One of God? Which is a very high title. I mean, here, God calls Jesus his son, son of God. Jesus is often called son of man, which is really sort of a shorthand way of just saying human being. It sort of emphasizes his humanness, whereas son of God, right, Christ or Messiah is, is much more of a lofty title, much more something, something higher. So it's interesting. So in there is where we begin to get the seeds of this belief of fully human, fully divine that we teach in our church, that Jesus is both and, not either or. What else do you hear? I want to spend just a little bit more time. This whole thing is speaking about the mouthpiece. Okay, the whole thing is speaking about the mouthpiece. Yes, because Moses represented the law, like you said, and for us to speak the law. The word of God itself is Jesus, and Elijah is the prophet that prophesied. So you prophesy the word of God. You study the word of God. Then he said to study to be quiet. He told them not to say anything. 
you know, that was after he had been risen. But even today, in First Thessalonians 4 and 11, it says, study to be quiet, work with your hands, and mind your own business. Mm. So it has a lot to do with your mouthpiece, how do you speak and what you say. Okay. All right, hold that for a minute so I can let other folks hear that. So talking about the mouthpiece or speaking, how do, how do, we, how do we speak? Because you have, you, know, you have Moses who, br- who brings the law and, and, and goes up on the mountain. That's, again, another, another sort of symbol here is they're up on a mountain. Moses went up on the mountain of Sinai to get the Ten Commandments and, and bring it down. And do you, and do you remember um, um, what, what Moses had to do after he came off the mountain? Anybody? Just a, just a, just a little, a little, it's a little uh, clothing article fact in the Bible. He had to put his, cover his face with a veil because it was shining too brightly. People couldn't stand to be in his presence because they had too bad of a sunburn. I mean, he, you know, whatever it was, he was shining, right? Just like Jesus is shining so, so white. I mean, there's, sim- there's all kinds of beautiful symbols here that connect all of this together. Uh, I, I'm going I'm to keep talking about what you talked about in a second. As I was thinking about that, um, anybody, anybody here Harry Potter fans? Okay, so um, you know what a, a Patronus is? Anybody here Harry Potter fans? What's, what's a Patronus? It's a thing that you use to defend yourself against dementors. Okay, it's a thing that you use to defend yourself with against dementors. And, 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 and what is it? Like, how does it appear? It's sort of like a spirit animal, but it's what? In, in the movie, it's like bright white, isn't it? And, it, and, it, and we would say, from a, from, in a biblical way, it casts out the darkness, right? Because the dementors, who are darkness, they run away from it. And so as I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, wow, this is cool. Like, Jesus is bright white, casting out the white casting out the dark. So she was talking about the mouthpiece, about how we speak and how we, that we we're listen. We're commanded to study and to listen to the word. But we're also, but we're also called to to prophesy and to preach and to teach about the word as well. And so, so you can bring that out of those three things. Yeah, I like that, Louita. Thank you. That's, that's great. All of them, all three of them eventually. So Moses and uh, Elijah both ascended to heaven before they died. They, didn't, they were taken bodily into heaven. Jesus ascends to heaven after his resurrection. So they're still, what? But doesn't, uh, look it up. I can't believe you said that in the middle of church. We can look it up later, but I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. I, I, but, you know, every once in a while, my, my, brain, my Bible brain goes haywire. So, yeah. Deuteronomy 34.5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Okay, but some, I got to find out, what, but they never found. Buried him in the land of Moab, opposite of, I don't know what that is. And no okay, so I'm, so I'm wrong. I got to look that up because that's, that's some, that was a reference that was made in some of the texts that I had. Going back to what she said about Moses, you've got Elijah there, you've got Moses, and you've got Jesus. Who does God tell them to listen to? Jesus. Oh, interesting. Which means... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that he's ignoring those two. Right? Hmm? Okay, well, so, okay well, stop. Because cross-talk, these people can't hear you. 
So he's saying, Paul was saying that, that um, here you have these three greats, right? From the, from the scripture in, the Hebrew, in, 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 in Hebrew and then in, in Christianity. And God says, this is my son, listen to him. Which shows that uh, we're shifting years here. Mm, interesting. And now there's not a new law, but there's... Right, something, something new is coming. All right. Well, now he's the master of the living and the dead, and that, bring, that bringing Moses life, I think, is right. fabulous. Right, and, and to remember that God, in, in, um, in the Hebrew Scriptures, Yahweh, God, is often referred to as the God of the living and of the dead. Just, I mean, there's so much here just in this little passage. Just in this little passage. God is speaking to us all the time. And so if you, you know, if you haven't dusted off that Bible for a while, I just encourage you to just, just read a few, a few pieces of it. Find a devotional, find something that, that maybe explicates it a little bit. I mean, you don't have to get some great big meaning out of it. Sometimes we ask too much of the text, you know, to give us something every day to get us going, you know. I mean, um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it really is reassuring or it's challenging or... Um, it's comforting or it tells us to get out there and do something with it. But it's a living and an active word in our lives when we allow it to be. When we bring it into our lives and when we, when we seek not just to read for content or just for context, but to, but to let it seep into our bones yes. so that it might be a tree of life in us. And so God is speaking and Let us listen to him. Amen.